Hey mama, do you find yourself wishing you knew you were on the right path with your business or wanting to know how to do it all as a work at home mom and entrepreneur? If you struggle with imposter syndrome, mom guilt, or fear of failure, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Alexia, a Christian mindset coach, passionate about teaching moms how to renew their minds to find success both in business and motherhood. You can overcome the negative thoughts holding you back from fully stepping into your calling. I know what it's like to worry your business will never work, to feel mom guilt every time you work on your business, to realize your mindset is hindering you, but not knowing how to change it in a Christ-centered way. I created the Mom with a Calling podcast to teach you how to use the powerful combination of God's Word and proven mindset strategies to help you break free from negative, paralyzing thoughts and gain clarity and confidence to go where God is leading you. As you step out of the old way of thinking and into God's way, you'll find more peace, joy, and purpose. Pop in those earbuds and get ready to let God work in you so he can work through you. All right. Welcome back to the Mama with a Calling podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Lily Meshi, on the podcast. Um, I want to read a little bit about her intro so you guys can get to know her a little bit. So with a passion to live life on purpose, Lily serves in ministry for Iran Alive as the Director of Partners Relations. Through her own experiences as an Iranian woman, Lily offers profound insight into the current protest in Iran for women's rights. Lily was born and raised in a Muslim family in Tehran, Iran. At the age of 18, her family moved to the U.S. through a chain of painful hardships relating to her rights as an Iranian woman. Lily came to discover Christianity. In her freedom found in her own testimony, she has developed a heart for Iranian women who, like herself, have undergone similar oppression and loneliness. Lily often speaks on the corrupt practices of arranged marriages of young women to older men in the Middle East, among other norms in their societies. She takes pride in working at Iran Alive Ministries, where she is able to speak about cultural dispositions, such as arranged marriages and the strong grip of abusive male domination in the culture. Welcome to the show, Lily. Thank you so much, Alexia, for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm so excited. So today I, I want to talk about, you know, of course, what you're doing in in at the ministry there, but I really want to uh, couch it and talk really about the courage to do things that are hard, right? When God calls us to do those things. So to get us started, can you just tell us about your story, your testimony, how you came to know Jesus? Absolutely. Um, so when I was 16, um, um, as a teenager, um, I was, I basically lived a really, really comfortable life in Iran with my mom and dad and two sisters. Um, and so my dad was a business owner, uh, was doing really well in, in business. My mom was a stay at home mom. Um, life was good as we knew it. And then um, almost overnight, uh, we were hit by a storm as if, you know, it felt that way, at, at least. Um, my parents decided that, you know, we should move to um, Europe. And then after a couple of years staying in Europe, then we moved to the U.S. Uh, in pursuit of uh, uh, basically a new business venture and um, united uniting our family together because um, during this time, we were all scattered abroad. My mom was in Iran. Uh, me and my two sisters were in Germany. My dad was in the U.S. So we were just all scattered abroad. And um, our pursuit basically became to bring our family together after my dad went bankrupt in um, in his business. And so we moved to the U.S. Um, through um, 
this business transaction that my dad was um, was making in in the U.S., he came to know another Iranian businessman um, that was in the same industry, same restaurant business, and um, he was you know semi successful in in what he was doing. They became very very close. Then my um, then he asked my dad if he could um, speak to me and get to know me for marriage. At this point, I was 18. This guy was 14 years older than me. My dad um, agreed that, you know, he, um, you know, upon asking me that, hey, is it okay if um, I put you guys on the phone together? You're in Germany. He's here with me. Um, he's my business partner almost. And, um, you know, um, can you speak to him to get to know him for marriage? Now, growing up in the very, very man-dominated patriarchal society um, in Iran, you know, my, I looked up to my dad all um, my life, basically growing up. I looked up to him. He was a very, you know, honoring person by his family, by the community. And so um, I wanted to do everything that I can uh, or that, that I could to basically get his approval and get his blessing on everything I do. And so when he introduced um, his business partner to me, it was as if my dad that I basically honored so much, he was my hero growing up and all that, put his stamp of approval on this relationship. And it was it was a big deal for me. Um, granted, now I'm looking back at this event and see it as an arranged marriage. When this whole thing was going down, I did not see this as an arranged marriage because we didn't know what to call it. Growing up, um, arranged marriages, child marriages, um, temporary marriages are part of Iranian culture. And I sort of grew up with that when I was in Iran up to the age of 16. So I had no idea what to call it. I had seen this happen um, numerous other times to other girls that, you know, mom and dad decide that, hey, you know, you want to get to know this guy that's much older than you for marriage and all that. It was a common practice. And so um, basically, when I moved to the Germany after talking to him after about six months, uh, I'm sorry, when I moved to the US from Germany after talking to him for six months, um, then when I came to the US, it was as if we're already married. It was like he um, acted as if he was my husband. He was just making it look like we were married. And so I, from from the beginning, I felt so trapped in this relationship because I felt like, first of all, I didn't have um, a say in whether or not, um, you know, we should move um, on with this relationship, whether or not we should move on to marriage or whatnot. It was as if things had already been done for me. And so with that came um, sexual exploitation by him, which you know, was was unwanted. Then my dad's business was um, sort of dependent upon this relationship. My mom was stuck in Iran waiting for me to basically send my uh, wedding invitation to her so she could get a visa and come to the U.S. I felt burdened um, to have to go on with this marriage. Otherwise, 
we could not you know bring our family together we could not start a new life all that so I sort of was forced into a marriage that I did not want to be a part of then um you know this marriage was very toxic very abusive um even from before before we got married I mean it was um it was from every every kind of abuse that you can think of mentally emotionally verbally there was a lot of turmoils and pains and hurts in that um when i was 19 um and feeling very depressed and stuck in in this marriage trapped not not being able to get out of it or anything like that because he was very controlling and jealous and he was just not allowing things to happen very abusive even uh, at times even physically and so um I felt like nothing was going for me at age 19 I um didn't really see um, a bright future I felt like my entire life was wasted and um and um um I felt aimless uh, purposeless. I just, I just didn't, I probably would have ended my life. Um, when my mom contacted me and said, Hey, do you mind coming over to visit some of our friends from Oklahoma? And, um, at this point I was very distrusting towards my immediate family because I felt like they sort of put me up to this and I, they, as if, it was as if I was betrayed by my own family. And so I didn't really have a good relationship with my parents in spite of our, you know, desire to want to bring our family together, do this again. You know, we were very close knit, but all that, you know, the immigration issues and the marriage and all of those things had just deteriorated our relationship. And so, um, so I went there. Um, even though, you know, I, I thought maybe they have something else, some other plots, you know, to plan against me and all that. I went there and when I went into my parents' house, um, I felt a different kind of love. It was as if like I was hit by a wave of, um, a love that I had never felt in my life before. Um, there was joy in their home in spite of all the strife and chaos and all that 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 we were experiencing at that point um, in our life. It was it was a very rough period for all of us. But um, I just felt this really pure joy. And so I went in, I saw a few of my uh, mom's family friends type um, from Iran. We knew them from Iran from when we were little. They had moved to Oklahoma and um, a while back and we were still in Iran and so we were sort of reuniting with them they had come to visit us when we moved to the U.S. and so little did we know they came they had become Christians and the entire family mom two daughters and um, their husbands they had become Christians and um, they came to visit us with you know, copies of Bibles, you know, um, um, Jesus movie um, on a DVD and all kinds of things. They came in prayerfully. And so um, when I walked into my parents' living room, they were wa watching Jesus, Jesus film. 
And so I sat there, watched the movie with them, um, just, you know, still sad, very depressed, all, all that, but just sat there, you know, um, watched it just like any other religious movie that I had watched in my life before. It was, I didn't really think anything of it, but during the movie, um, the mom of the family said, Lily, did you know when you come to Christ and you accept him in your life as your Lord and Savior, all your past will be gone and all things will become new? When she said that, it was as if she had read my mail because I literally two weeks before I went to my mom and dad, I remember in my own um, faith. I mean, we were nominal Muslim because like after the revolution of, um, you know, um, Islamic Republic of, of Iran of 1979, anyone that's born in that country is a Muslim, is considered a Muslim. And so we were nominal Muslim. We weren't really practicing Islam, but going to school in Iran and all, all that, they had taught us Islam practices, how to pray and how to fast, all that kind of stuff. So it was sort of ingrained in me. Um, and so in that faith, whether you call it Islamic or mm, agnostic, I just knew that there was a God or whatnot. I said, God, I want to have a do over. I want to start fresh. Uh, will you show yourself to me? I know you're real. Will you show yourself to me? And this was two weeks before I went to my parents' house with their friends. And so anyways, when she said all things will become new with Christ, it was as if like, oh my gosh, how did she know I had that desire to start fresh with everything, you know? And so uh, the movie um, ended, I got up to leave. Um, the daughter of this woman um, sort of walked me to the door and said, Lily, I know you have been struggling since you guys moved uh, from Iran. I know that you are in a, a very toxic marriage and you feel trapped. But know that there is hope um, and, you know, God loves you and all that. And I, I, I just, you know, just the things that she was saying was like, OK, well, thank you for the, um, you know, pep talk and all that. But then she didn't stop there. She said, hey, do you mind if I just read one passage from the Bible for you? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's getting religious with me. Lord, help me out here. And so um, I wanted to say with everything in me, no. But then I was like, let's just be um, courteous. Let's just sit there, sit there and just be respectful and all that. And so I had a courtesy, basically. I sat there. She opened up the word of God to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. And um, she skipped over all the rest of them. She jumped to John 1.14. The word became human and dwelt among us. And when she said that, when she said the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that was it. Like I knew nothing of Jesus other than he was just a prophet who had performed many miracles. And um, at that point, he was my Lord and Savior. I just knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was my Lord and Savior without any prior knowledge of him. Um, just, you know, when 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 the word just became rhema to me at that point, it was the Holy Spirit who 
really revealed to me that the word was with God from the beginning. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was like a no-brainer for me. Like, yes, of course, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is my God, my Lord and Savior. He came to save the world. It, so it, it just became very clear to me. And so um, as, you know, tears were rolling down my cheeks, I said, how do I begin? How do I become a Christian? Where do I go? What's this journey? And so I started going to church and um, basically the rest is history. This was in 2002. Um, so I'll pause here, here if you have any questions and then we'll we'll move on to the next, next um, part of it. Yeah, no, I love that because what I see in that story is like, not that, you know, God, God can use everything. Like if you hadn't been going through such a hard time, maybe your heart wouldn't have been there. I don't know. Like it's just that God can use everything and does use everything. And that, um, that these friends have become Christian and that they're so bold because there's, you know, there can be fear around going to Muslim because they're very like they can be very oppositional at least from what i understand it can even be like yeah very severe reaction right and so they're willing just to share and just yes. to meet you there and that you became a christian so i just i love that and like you said you say so i didn't know the difference between nominal like a nominal muslim sort of like you said like sort of cultural maybe yes. but not necessarily like really actively practicing which may have helped actually in this situation and um because i was thinking wasn't it odd to kind of walk in and see everybody <laughs> like what are we doing here it's like we're doing yeah. like christian things like that's so weird but yeah. um and like being in the us i'm sure alleviated some of that any issues there um so i just love that story and it's obviously it's terrible and it's interesting cuz i um, I taught high school here a little bit, like I was in the high schools and here um, in, in Tennessee and in Nashville, there's a lot of kids from that area that come yeah. here and there's a lot of different kinds. And they were talking about arranged marriages and there were some of yeah. the girls um, that were like, I can't like they definitely couldn't date. And they were like, I, um, you know, I have to wait. And I think it was Afghanistan. They had to go back. And, and be married to whoever. And I remember the male, the and I mean, of course, like, we don't think that's okay. But at the same time, the male teacher was just like, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, that's like her, because she wasn't against it, though. She was very much like, you know, this is fine. So that's just, yeah, yeah an interesting story. Just, so I just connect to it in that way. So yeah. how did it go from that to what you do today? And like, what's the ministry that you're doing today? Yes. Um, so um, I want to piggyback on what you just said, Alexia, because it's very profound. Um, God does use our pain and um, turn it into purpose for himself. And so I, um, as I mentioned earlier, we had a perfect life in Iran, perfect income, perfect house, perfect mom and dad, perfect everything. But then it was overnight, all that was gone and our lifestyle changed. We had to go through different countries with the language barrier and being thrown in different crowds uh, in schools and not really knowing how to fit in all that. All those pains and um, all those hurts, all those 
inferiority complex being um you know the the weight of the 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 heavy looks on people on us as foreigner kids and cast out and all that all of those really were chain of events that caused the preparation in our heart to really accept Christ it's it's uh, worth to mention that um, when I came to faith in about a couple of months after I came to faith, my mom and dad also came to faith and then my sisters came to faith. So we, and we all are sort of serving the Lord in our own, um, in, in our own sphere of influence and all that. And so um, God used that just like the, the story of Joseph that, you know, uh, one day he was the favorite son and then the next day he was in the pit then you know he was the second in command in um in the palace and so um god prepares us through the journey of our life to get us where we want to get to um the the point of it is even when we don't know him sometimes we want to be like if we stick to the plan if we stay uh, connected, if we stay faithful, if we do this and that and put all these conditions on our circumstances, if I had done this better, if I had done that better and just judge ourselves and beat ourselves up. But even when I had no knowledge of, of Christ, he reached down to me and he pulled me out of my dungeon and he showed his, his faithfulness and everlasting love to me. And so I just want to encourage your audience that, you know, God is the the redeeming God. God is the loving God that can turn our pain into purpose. So um, after that, of course, I was I was stuck in this marriage and, um, you know, I could not get out of it. <laughs> For 14 years, I stayed in a very, very, very abusive um, marriage. And I wanted, I wanted to work, work it out. I wanted to do everything that I could um, to really help him out, help, help him, you know, get his mental stability, um, be able to really think straight, all that. But unfortunately, um, I got to a place where no matter how hard I tried to keep the marriage together and not have divorce on my spiritual resume and all that. He just did not want to um, change. He did not want to help, um, help himself. And so um, it was through the guidance of the Lord um, that he just released me from, from that marriage. He, he set me free from it. Um, he set me free and he set my daughter free as well. And so, um, it, it took, a, it took bravery to get out of that because knowing, um, all the, you know, all the threats that he had made and how he was going to manipulate our daughter to try to get to me get back to me and all that. It was just, you know, it, it would have been probably easier to stay and just be like, this is my life. This is my portion. I'm going to have to deal with it. You know, this is it. But God had different things in store for me. God wanted me to, um, you know, God wanted to redeem the wasteland. 
and um, of my life. And he wanted me to um, be his hands and feet. And so he, after he released me, um, then, you know, I started, I was um, growing in my career, basically in banking industry investments and things like that. But then at the same time, I was volunteering at um, Iran Alive Ministries, co-hosting a youth program for Iranian Iranian youths. And so basically every Tuesday, um, me and um, one of uh, one of our um, friends that works also at the ministry, we hosted a program just bringing light, uh, biblical um, insight into some of the challenges that Iranian um youths are going through and all that. And so I did that. I helped out at the ministry, um, you know, um, with different banquets, events and all that. I was a huge supporter of the ministry. I still am. And when we came to faith back in 2002, Iran Alive Ministries, um, Christian programming on TV really helped me and my parents and later my grandmother who came to faith as well. Um, sort of grow in our faith um, through their programming. And so that was the only thing we had that was in Farsi, our ethnic language. Mm-hmm. And my parents could could understand it. They could relate to it. We stayed connected with Iran Alive Ministries. Um, and so during the pandemic, um, Dr. Sherry, the founder of Iran Alive Ministries um, and his wife contacted me. They both said, you know, Lily, the Lord just keeps on bringing your name um, to us. And we just want you to uh, pray about this because um, we feel that you are called to be part of the ministry. And so I was not ready for it. I was like, no, I mean, as a single mother, um, after, you know, having been uh, a single mother for like six years, then um, I was like, I finally got to where I worked so hard to be I finally got established I finally can you know um um you know um um, take care of my daughter and do all everything that I want to do for her and all that and so now you want me to leave my my career and then come in the ministry oh my gosh I it was just way above my head as much as I wanted to minister to my people as much as I wanted to get the gospel to Iranians I just basically wanted him and his team to do it. I was like, I support you in every possible way, but I just don't want to do it myself. You know, I don't want to do it myself. One, I was hurt by my own people, um, you know, all my life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around my own people. Two, I wanted, I want to do business and ministry is there, business is here. I will help support it financially. You do your thing. Kudos to you, all that. And so I did not want to have anything to do with it. And so I took offense to it. I was like, no, do you not know how hard I worked to get here? And so he said, just pray about it, Lily. And I, you know, I was like, okay. I was very hesitant. I did, I, the whole entire week that we were supposed to pray. I prayed that he fills the position that he's looking for. I was like, Lord, please help him. Please help him before I get to him. Please help him find someone before our next call. Because I do not want to do this. And so, so when I, this is this was my prayer. After a week, he contacted me. He was like, so what did you hear from the Lord? 
I said, I heard nothing. I heard nothing. I just pray that you fill this position and God bless you. And he was like, Lily, let's fast and pray this week. I'm like, he would not let him. Come on. And so I was like, okay. So Dr. Sherriot is the um, the founder of the ministry. He's known as the Billy Graham of Iran. I mean, every Iranian knows him. Everyone knows he's a very prominent um, pastor, evangelist, mm-hmm. apostle, teacher, all that. And so I was like, the man of God is asking me to pray and fast. I better do it. I, I was like, I better do it. I'm, I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm just going to submit and do it. And so I did it. I actually prayed. I was like, Lord, I know that you brought me to here. I know that you have favored me all throughout this career path and you allowed me to be in leadership positions. And I love what I do right now. I love, um, you know, what you have done in my life. And, but I don't know what, what's next for me, but I know, you know, what's next for me. Um, would you show me the way, would you show me what my next step is? Just, you know, I humble myself before you and I want you to show me what my next step is. And so then I fasted, um, I fasted and on Wednesday of that week, I never forget that Alexia, um, the Lord just downloaded into me, like all the passages in the Bible that had to do with Persians. Like I had no clue. I was an Iranian who had converted to Christianity. I had read the Bible. I never ever noticed that um, Persians and Iranians had such strong presence in the in the Old Testament, and they're mentioned in the Old Testament. Cy- um, Cyrus the Great was a Persian king who founded the uh, Persian Empire, and he was the one who set the Israelites free from forty years of exile. You know the. Uh, nine books in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament specifically, are written under rule of Persian kings. And Esther, then the three wise men, then Nehemiah. I mean, there was so many different stories that sort of correlated with the 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 Persian history. And I'm like, what if God wants to use me for such a time as this? just like Esther was used for such a time as that and was able to really, you know, prevent a massacre happening and saved her people. What if God wants to use me? It's not all about me and my wants. It's not all about my career, my life, my lifestyle, things that I want. It's about the impact we're making. It's about leaving a, an imprint in this world that no one else can. It's about, you know, bringing glory to Christ and, and making him his, his um, name known to others. It's about being a witness. Jesus said, stay here until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can become my witnesses. And so... It was at that time that it was just so eye-opening for me, like, oh my gosh, Persians were instrumental in unfolding God's plan for humanity, and I'm a Persian. I I, want to mention this to you, though. I was very, very, very 
embarrassed and ashamed all my life after, of course, we moved from Iran of being an Iranian. It was just because I was born in uh, after the revolution, it was Islamic. Then, you know, when we moved from Iran, we moved to Germany. It was just being from Iran was frowned upon because all we hear from Iran is terrorist attacks and uh, the Islamic nation who oppresses the uh, its people, who is abusive, who is, um, you know, who um, the government that's corrupt the nuclear weapon, all that. It's all negative news from Iran. And so I was always, um, so it, there was always that stigma of, oh, you're from Iran, you know, the Middle East that's Islamic and um, they have such corrupt government, all that kind of stuff. So I was always embarrassed and ashamed of being an Iranian. And even after I, I became a Christian, I wasn't, I didn't take uh, pride in being from Iran, being Iranian, Persian, all that. I worked so hard to get rid of my accent. It's still there, but I worked so hard. I just didn't want, didn't want to be Iranian until I fasted. And the Lord just downloaded to me that, hey, you're an Iranian for a reason. You can speak Farsi for a reason. You have gone through all the all the pains and hurts for a reason. Almost 90% of Iranian women are abused and oppressed and crushed and are being mistreated. Now you have a voice to speak to them and bring them to me. Do you want to be a vessel in my hand or do you just want to go, you know, up the corporate ladder and get to the top and still feel empty. And so um, basically I quit my job. It was a bold, bold faith field step, but I did it because the Lord told me to do so. And I was like, so scared to do it, but I did it anyways. Um, it's been over three years now, but Every day I praise the Lord for allowing me to take that step of faith and allowing me to hear in his voice and, and do it. Every day I'm like, this is the reason why I'm here. This is yet another reason why I'm here. He knew exactly what he was doing. And so Every day I'm trusting the Lord. Lord, what 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 do you have of me? What is it that you want me to do? And and he does not fail. So that's why I'm here. Every chance I get, I get in front of the camera. We broadcast 24-7 gospel-centric messages, discipleship programming to Iranians and Farsi-speaking people. Um, our channel, it's called Network 7. Um, in Farsi, is Shabake Haf. It has, um, it, it's basically number one most watched Christian channel in Iran with an estimated um, viewership of 6 million viewers a day. And so we get to share the gospel with an unreached group of people such as Iranian that have no access to the gospel. Uh, Bible is prohibited to own in, in that country, but they get to hear the word of God, hear us praise and worship, hear us teaching them about the word of God. And we hear stories that these believers in Iran, in spite of the persecutions, in spite of 
uh, you know, the risk of arrests, house raids, all that, they're standing up very, very firmly for their faith, for Christ and spreading the word of God in Iran. It's definitely a movement that's going on in Iran. Oh my goodness. So the people that are watching, or do you think they're Christians, like people who have no, who become no. Christians and they're watching to learn more or both? They're both. So we have an estimated of three mil, about 2 million to 3 million believers in Iran. But we have, as a, based on a survey, an independent survey that we didn't even ask for, they just came to us and said 7.7% of the population of Iran watch your channel. Um, that equates to 6 million people. And we're like, mm-hmm. 6 million people? We only have 2 million people that are believers in Iran. So most of them are non-believers. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's I was just wondering. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, okay, so I took notes because I didn't really know this part of your story, but I love this because you, like so many of the women that listen, they are normally in corporate careers of some yeah. sort. Like, I, you know, I'm a scientist by training and then just yeah. kind of called home. And a lot of times, you know, but I just like, you weren't even looking for anything and God no. just like pulled you out of there. So I love that you shared the, that story and the way you did, because the vulnerability and the honesty of like, I don't want to do that. And it's no. sometimes you know, that's true too. Like you might have a heart for something, but you're like, I will pay. Like, I'll just give the money. And and it's like, God's like, no, you're going to be a part of this. So I love, that was such an inspiring story too, about fasting and praying to Mm. surrender, to ask God. And Mm. what I heard from that is that you basically had like a kingdom perspective, a kingdom shift, because I mean, I did the same thing. Like when I, and I hope that people that are listening could do the same when we're deciding what to do, whenever you have that moment of kind of realizing the point of what we're doing, right. It's not just to make money. It's not just to be successful. It is to share the gospel with people. It is to do kingdom work. Like there is something bigger. And when you realize that it's all of a sudden, like, and not say that you couldn't have done that as a an investment banker or whatever, whatever it was you're doing. Yeah. Because it's just that but God wasn't calling you to do it that way. And so when we have that perspective, it changes everything. It's like you see the world differently. Yep. yep. Um, to, yes. And um, I echo what you just said because I was my argument with God that I wrestled with him was that God, you're using me at my workplace right now. There are so many people that are watching me knowing that I'm a Christian girl you have allowed me to make an impact there. You're allowing me to be able to financially support Iran Alive. You, what, what else do you want from me? You know, like, why? Why are you calling me to a greater call? But then I don't know why. Maybe he sees something that I don't. Maybe he has, like I said, he want. you know, how many people that are Farsi speaking and English and English speaking have gone through the same journey that I had or the same path. Maybe he knows how many women are out there that need to hear my story and be encouraged by it and come to faith. You know, I don't know, but I'm just trusting him every step Mm -hmm. of the way. I'm like, Lord, you know what you're doing? I don't. So I depend on you. Is that the, because I was thinking like, do you have, or did you struggle along the way? Maybe you're just in a better place now, but with the doubts, with kind of like, 
it's sort of maybe imposter syndrome or just like feeling like, who am I to do this? Or yes. was it so clear to you in that moment that you're like, I no. have no idea. God called me. I'm saying yes, even though I don't know what I'm doing. Like, how did that come out? Did you have doubts so, along the way about your ability? Here's how it went down. I had the fear of the unknown. I did. First of all, I was like, you're asking me to do so. I'm not ministry material. Like, why are you asking me? Like, I'm not your person for like, I was kingdom minded, but I wasn't a pastor. You know, I had gone to Bible school for two years and all that, but it was all for my personal enrichment. It wasn't like, oh yeah, let's go teach the Bible now. It wasn't at all. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't your ministry material. And like, I wasn't in the business world for so long. I did not know the the protocol to be in the ministry like how do you is there any politics bureaucracy going on you know what is what is with ministry I don't know I really did not know the culture and so I was scared of not knowing the culture not being ministry material I was scared of um, not knowing enough of the word of God and get stuck with it and um, I also um, did not see the big picture I'm like okay well as a business person, I start here, then I have a growth path, then I get here, and then I have another growth path, and then I go up the ladder. You know, it, it was yeah. just always something laid out for me where I could mm -hmm. see where I was headed. Over here, I'm like, you're the director of development, and that's all you're doing. There's no growth. You know, this, you know there was just nothing. Like, the highest you could become is the pastor. And I'm like, do I want to become a pastor? Is that what he, God calls me to? So it was a lot of the unknowns and not, not having that big picture already laid for me. I had mm -hmm. to basically trust the Lord one step at a time exactly. every day. Yeah. One step at a time, you know? <laughs> yeah. No walking in faith like that. That's what I say. Like a lot of the women that I coach a lot of women and as they come through, one of the things I realized is that they think they have like imposter syndrome, but it's, mm -hmm. it's not imposter syndrome. It's that when you're in a job, a career, there's this yep. path and it's yes. just like, you, exactly. you know, that it's going to take four years to get a degree. Yeah, and exactly. then, you know, you like see the, when you step over here, it feels like mm -hmm. the wild west. You have mm -hmm. no idea what's happening. And so it feels like you don't know what you're doing because you don't know what you're doing. Yes. Now there can be a sort of path, but like you're saying, it's trusting God. Mm -hmm. And I think even though it's, it doesn't have to be hard, like a wilderness season, but it kind of is, it's like move when God says stop when he says stop, like yeah. learning how to trust him and listen to him um, and walk in faith like that every step of the way. And a lot of times women are called to do this. They feel very strongly, but they don't actually know how to hear from God. They have to learn that part too. Like there's just yes. so many things. And yes. I feel like it's just an amazing journey though, because it brings you closer to God yes. in those unknowns as you're doing it. And it's rewarding. It's almost like it's almost like adventurous, like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm doing something which I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I'm totally doing it out of faith and trust. And then seeing God come through, oh my gosh, it's the most rewarding thing. It's yeah. just like, oh, it's like the aha moments all the time, all the time. This is how, why you did this. This is why you took me there. This is why you had me to talk to that person. This is, it's just, it's rewarding. It's not, it never gets dull. 
it's you know walking walking by faith and hearing from the lord never gets dull because he just surprises us every single time yeah, no, I love that. I do that all the time. I'm like, yeah. that's what you're like. Yeah, that conversation, that relationship, you're building that intimacy. Um, yeah. Okay, so where can people learn more about Iran Alive and partner with you if they're led and all those things? Absolutely. Um, so iranalive.org is the, the website where you can visit. I highly, highly, highly encourage everyone to read the stories there because we post them every so often. These are stories from right inside Iran. And so mm -hmm. people who came to faith and what their journey was like and things like that. Um, and um, to stay connected, really, I recommend to click on that connect um, um, hyperlink um, up on the upper right hand corner. Um, if you want to receive updates, more stories um, like we have on the website, we send like periodic emails. If you're tech savvy, um, text the word Iran to 85789 and we'll send um, those testimonies through text messages as well. Yeah, just pray. Um, the, the way to really support our ministry is one, to pray for the people of Iran to really have an open heart, open mind to receive the, the, the message of the gospel, to receive the love of Christ. And, um, you know, um, really uh, hearing, um, just be in tuned and like connected to hear what is happening in the Middle East, because um, everything we hear nowadays in the mainstream, you know, media and all that, it's just all bad news. Um, yet there's a revival that's happening inside of Iran. People are, you know, I, I don't know if, if um, you have heard this, but Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world uh, based on the um, op uh, world operations I believe um, it has a um, rate of 19.9 percent growth um, of the evangelical population in Iran and that you know in spite of all the persecution is huge so you be you be encouraged by the stories that you see and you hear and um, that's how you can stay connected with us. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I know there are lots of things in here that are going to encourage and inspire people. So thank you for coming on today, Lily. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Alexi. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Mama with a Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawithacalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, are you loving these episodes? To make sure this podcast gets in the ears of as many mamas as possible, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I'm going to be reading your reviews on the podcast, so I can't wait to hear from you. Also, if you know someone that needs to hear these episodes, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And don't forget to tag me at Mama with a Calling so I can share it in my stories. Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.